Welcome to the first episode of Broad Street Hustle. We are back, and when I say we, I mean Jason Sad and Tommy Nanny are back with a new podcast called Broad Street Hustle. It's a new, a new and improved podcast discussing Philly sports, the national sports scene, and of course, sports betting. We'll talk about the four major sports, horse racing, golf, and much more. We'll make sure we have some special guests for our big events, just like we had with the Derby and the Preakness and some of the big golf tournaments. Um, and of course, you can hear Broadsheet Hustle on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, pretty much anywhere where you can get a podcast. We are there. So please give a listen to us. If you like what you hear, make sure you tap that like button, subscribe, and leave some comments. We're always welcome to feedback. We always want to improve. Um, so that's pretty much it. That's what we're looking to do with the new show, Broad Street Hustle. Um, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And for today's show, we're going to touch on a Sixers recap. We're going to talk about the Heat series. Uh, where do they go from here? What's the offseason look like? And then we're going to get into some Preakness uh, talk. We're going to get some plays. We're going to get some Betty angles, um, some trifectas, some exactas, of course. Um, so let's start. Today, we're joined, as always, by the co-host, Jason Sayeta, and we do have a special guest for our Preakness, but he's going to join us for some Sixers talk, hot off his Kentucky Oaks winner that I was the first to say no shot to, is Jimmy the Chalk. Boys, how we doing? Hey, Tom. What's going on? Rolling in that secret oath, Mike. <laughs> Shame you gave it right back the next day. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it was ugly. So let's uh, let's jump right in. So we'll get to the Preakness, but let's start with the Sixers. Do a little, uh, you know, moratorium on on that Heat series, the season overall. Uh, Jason, I'm going to kick it over to you. What's uh, what's some first reactions on the Sixers Heat, and you know, go from there. Yeah, so I, I just thought from you know from right from the, the get go, they were behind the eight ball with you know Embiid taking that cheap shot from Siakam at the end of the the Raptors series. So. Uh, Beginning in the you know beginning of the series, the thoughts were he may not even play in the whole series because um, he had the the fractured eye socket and he had the uh, concussion, uh, so he missed the first two games. So obviously you know immediately you're you're down o two right. Um, Heat win the first two games pretty easily. Um, and B comes back for game three. You could tell he's probably sixty percent at best. Um, and they do win the game. Um, and you know, they, they also, they also follow that up and win game four, but then, you know, pretty much that was it, you know, and B did not look well, even in those wins. I mean, he, he basically, he gutted it out. Um, there were other problems in the series, you know, and, and, and some of them were created by the heat, right? I think they did a good job on Maxi. Um, they pretty much forced him to shoot and that, that was pretty ugly. Um, he was, he was not making shots in the series. Uh, they were tripling Embiid, uh, when Embiid did pass out of it, guys were not making shots. Embiid started to even try to beat the triple team. I mean, you know, that, that got ugly there. Um, Tobias Harris, uh, he played really well in the two games without Embiid and played awful in the games and be and be played. So, you know, I, I just, I, I, that's one of my pet peeves is Harris. This just does not fit uh, on this team. And he probably just can't play with Embiid because he's not a bad player, but he's not a max player. Um, Harden had no legs. I don't know if it's an hamstring issue that's lingering or if he's truly, you know, in his demise. Um, and then the bench just was, Non-existent. I mean, Niang. I don't know if he hit a shot after in any games in Miami. Oh yeah, I guess he had cementing issues. Oh series. God, he was so he was and slowest guy I've ever seen on a court. And Tybalt looks like he forgot how to play. Yeah. So yeah, he definitely got screwed off on that whole shit stuff with the uh, Toronto series, and yeah, you could see it was in his head. Yeah. But my whole thing, you know, I'll go back to the other podcast we were doing, and I mentioned it before, was I, I still do, did not think this was their year. You know, yep. I didn't even think they were going to make the Harden trade in season. I thought that trade would happen in the off season. But since they made it in season, then everybody thought, oh, well, you know, maybe they have a shot. But that trade just depleted their bench. 
you know, it took away any depth that they had. Yep. Um, and then, you know, he Harden didn't really have a full season to acclimate himself to the to the to the roster and and or to the lineup. And you know, the other guys the same with acclimating himself. Yeah, to Harden, and so. I mean, you could see that too. There were there was times where he was driving and passing, and guys weren't ready for the pass. Yeah, you, know, you could see the the. Fl- I mean, there was other issues, but you could see yeah. the flow wasn't yeah. there, and especially the role players really would come in and not know what they, they were yeah. supposed to do. Exactly. And I, I, you know, I said it before, I don't think they were beating Boston anyway. So no. yeah, it was a little disappointing, disappointing that they didn't get by Miami, but they weren't beating Boston. No. So yeah, next year's the year. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll throw it to Jimmy in a second. I, but um, you know, I kind of feel the same, so I'm not going to get too into it. My, my only thing was, you yeah. know, we, we thought they might beat the Heat. Then when when Embiid went down, you you know you started to say I don't know. And then they lose the first two. Then they win the next two. But and you still weren't sure. And if they would have went out there and played and lost, you wouldn't have cared as much. But the fact that they they you knew both the games they lost the you know the home game and the the road or the road game the home game they were flat from the first quarter. Embiid's bad at body language is just awful. Um, yeah. Harden quit in the second half of the game six or whatever it was. I mean, that, and so that's the taste that that's left in your mouth. And that's what the biggest, to me, what the biggest problem is, is that they just look so bad. They quit. And then for the, you know, the, I know it's all fluff, but for more to come back and say, Doc Rivers is back. Harden's going to, you know, it's, it's like, well, if you're going to put that same product out there, it's not giving us much hope as a fan. So it's, it's just the way, a way it went down to me was more disheartening than them actually losing. Because like you said, they weren't beating Boston. Probably weren't ever going to beat the Heat either. But still. Um, so that's yeah. what I think. And like you said, they weren't competitive in any of the losses. A- any of them. Yeah, right. none of them. Yeah, it was like. There was not, you know, and it wasn't like down. a shock. You saw it coming. You knew. Yeah, they weren't winning. I mean, they were only down a point in game six. But it was still like, I, you just felt that game can get away from them at any moment. Yeah. And as soon as they got punched in the face, they, they crumbled. They didn't even put yeah. up a fight. Yeah. Jimmy? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what, what you guys have said. I mean, the the toughness factor. I mean, look, Embiid's a tough player, and, and he's played through a lot of pain. But, like, when the chips fall down and adversity hits these guys, like, they, I mean, they wilted. And that's, that's, that's the fact. And, I mean, you know, they would have had a tough series with the Heat no matter what. If Embiid plays seven, I think they probably get one more and, and maybe lose in seven that first game in Miami. Uh, they shot, well, both of the first two games, they shot God awful from, you know, three, they like 18% or something like that. But Miami didn't play well in game one either. And, uh, Bam killed them both those games because, you know, Doc insisted on starting Jordan and, and, you know, does Paul Reed win you the game by starting? No, he'll probably fall foul out faster maybe, but you know, it, it didn't, it made him tough to compete. And, you know, the one run they really put together in the whole series was the end of the first half in game one where they got the lead at the end going in and, and they were kind of getting mismatches on on Hero uh, when Sixers had the ball on offense. But, you know, you just – when you're down, you're down the best – I mean, look at any team in the league. There's teams that have plenty of depth, but you lose a top three, top five, however you want to rank Embiid in the league in a, in a, semi, a conference semifinal, it's hard for any team to overcome that. And the Sixers just weren't, weren't you know, built for that this year. And um, it's, you know, Doc's coaching. He didn't really make a lot of good adjustments, I don't think. Um, but in Embiid's presence in the first two games, you know, you talked about some of the struggles Maxie had. If you watch those first two games, like anytime they were trying to do handoffs at the top of the key or at the, you know, out of body, it was blowing them up almost all the time. It's because you have to worry about an Embiid behind them that, they get to Philly out of bio's in foul trouble. He's yeah. you know, so it can just having him be there even at sixty percent, especially from a defensive perspective, completely changes things around. I don't think they win the series. Um, and then in game six, you know, again, these guys are professionals, so you don't want to make excuses, but Danny Green goes down with a horrific injury that Embiid in some way caused. And I I'm watching it, I'm like, that could very easily take the air out of the whole game and they hung around in the first half, but you lose the depth, and Green had played well at home. Yeah, and it forces so you to put five in. Who gives you yeah. no yeah. offense? The guy can't so, even dribble a basketball. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was just you know uh, if they pulled out Game Six, I don't think they were going to win Game Seven down nah. uh, in Miami. You know, so um, 
you know, it, it was a, it would have been a tough matchup either way. And it's, it's funny, you know, everybody's got injuries. Like, you know, he, Lowry missed two games, four games, the four games that he won, Lowry missed, but yeah. they figured out he was a liability. He's a better team without him on the court. Yeah. yeah. Like he was, he was at 50% or whatever. And those two games in Philly and they struggled. He had to go leave both games because he was struggling. He was, he was no good to them. And no guys like Struess and all, they're not star players, but they're at a higher level going seven, eight deep than the Sixers had. So like they can come in and make a couple shots. Whereas, you know, the one thing Niang does bring was a little bit of attitude. Like he'll get in somebody's face and he was yeah. the only one that showed spark or some fire in some of those games. Yeah, And he actually didn't play too bad at home the first two games at home and they won. I mean, he was up, it's, but then, you know, I mean, nobody played well in the second half of yeah, that, that second no. home game. And they, they, they threw the towel in and it was, it was embarrassing, but um, it's the whole thing they say about, you know, on the road, your role players don't show up, right. Cause they can't handle the pressure at home. You know, they, they puff their chest which out true, and they all play well. Which was true until game six because Miami played that yeah. way. The six played that way. But then game six, Shrews. Miami's role Mike players Ryan stepped up. Stepped yeah, up. Sixers yeah. role players like Niang on the road just, Where, yeah, you know, there just were no-shows in, in in the series. Butler was the only one that really showed up in games three or four. He put those monster games yeah, together. Kept, and kept, I mean, kept even Hero. I mean, even um, Hero. You could see why Hero comes off the bench. Yeah, Hero Hero didn't have a great series. He plays yeah. long, long stretches. He turns the ball over. His defense isn't yeah. great. I mean, he dis- but you but, could see why he's a tremendous bench player. Yeah, going going back to Butler, like he just, I mean, he just takes over takes over games. Um, guy could still could still play. I mean, he's he's no spring chicken anymore. What's he thirty thirty two now? Probably right. Um, something something along those lines. So, uh, he's uh, you know. He's a, he's a top top fifteen top twenty player, no doubt. And in the playoffs, he's probably a top ten player because yeah. he really yeah, stepped I mean, up. And he did it again in game one against Boston. He did. Yeah. He did. All right. Well, yeah. Good recap. I mean, I can't really imagine anybody could disagree with that. But uh, let's so let's go. Where do we go from here? I guess is the next question. Well, let me start with something Jimmy said. So we he touched on a bead. So. What's you guys' thoughts on Embiid as far as, I mean, it does look like the offense can't go through Embiid, especially in the playoffs, right? You need that second that secondary player who they thought hard and could have been, especially late in games. So, I mean, can you win with Embiid? I mean, obviously he was the MVP of the league or should have been. But, I mean, you know, just touch on that a little bit. Uh, Jimmy, you start. I mean, it's not a... It's not a big man league in that sense where like, you know, Jokic obviously can take the last shots in game, but how many other dominating centers like, you know, yeah, if you go back to the 80s, like, you know, if you were Houston wanted Olajuwon taking the last shot of the game, the Knicks wanted Ewing taking that last shot if possible. They had other options, but those are your guys. The league just isn't built that way anymore. And it was a game three against Toronto was the first like game winning Right. And, and he doesn't even have to hit the game-winning shot, but I mean, he's like some of those possessions but towards the end of the some game. Of those turn- just- I mean, go back to the Atlanta series last year. Some of those games late, he's turned the ball over, he's doing whatever. So you need, I think, even if he he can maybe do that sometimes, like because the lack of production, I guess maybe he sees the other guys, he feels the need, like he has to be the guy that the offense runs mm-hmm. through. And um, you know, Harden was not that um, to what you guys were saying earlier. You know. The in-season trade, not to make excuses, but that's not like, you know, you go back and look, when was the last time a star player switched teams at the trade deadline and that team went on to win the championship? Uh, the last time I could was looking quick, like a legit star, like top 20 player, might have been if you if he was still that good at the time was Drexler back in 95 when Houston got him already coming off of their first title. And then brought him on. There's teams add players. Yeah. You know, Fly got traded before the season. Guys get traded earlier it, in the year. But you don't get you don't get a, bas- a basketball is an in season trade league. I mean, no. it's just not. Yeah. I mean, you look at they were they were built. It's it's not a trade deadline move. And you know, you ended up your third best player or your third highest score was is a 21 year old kid who never started before. Like players don't get that good that fast to be your primary option at like. You know, LeBron, Steph, Durant, they weren't that good their second year in the league that young. So Yeah, for sure. So if if, if Harden or Maxi isn't going to develop into that, or Harden was, could he go back to that, or Maxi isn't developing there, you have to find another option. I don't think you can keep running through Embiid like that. And that's every what like. Yeah, how about you, Jason? What do you think on Embiid? Uh, I, I, you know, I think you have to take a lot of what happened here again with him – 
with a grain of salt right. because again, you're hurt. is a big one. Again, so I think that is more of the, the issue of can he stay healthy, right? Um, again, you know, like you guys said, I, I guess to answer your question, Tom, can he be the main guy, you know, probably, pro- I mean, listen, he is phenomenal. He's top three player in the, in the league. Top five, easily, probably top three. Um, and he can be the best player on your team, and you can win with him. Can he be the guy down the stretch? I think you need a, you need like a, a slasher, like a, a swingman type guy who's going to be able to take a shot. You need an isolation player down the stretch. Down but the stretch. listen, so did Shaq needed that, Yeah, right? Right. Okay, absolutely. it's not like, I mean. It's a big man. It's hard for a big man to, yeah, to be that Yeah, guy. exactly. So I don't think that's a, that's a, the negative on Embiid. I think it's like, first of all, what Siakam did was total BS. I'm not going to curse on this podcast, but it was BS. However, Embiid is pretty immature also. Like he's doing, like, you know. He does it to people. He edges people on to do yeah, that. I tell you, like, 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 he gets like he get you know some of these technicals and some of these flagrants. Like he gets a little loose with how you know, he gets frustrated and he, you know I mean, just the stuff he says it, after it, it adds up. after yeah. every yeah. season. He opens his mouth and throws another player, or somebody else on yeah, the table. Yeah, he's got it. Like he can't do that stuff. And again, I'm not condoning at all what Siakam no, did and why no. he's not getting suspended for it. I don't know, but. You're, you know, you're, you're about to eliminate a team. You're embarrassing them in front of your home fans, right? You're, they're down 20 or 25 or 30, whatever it was at the time. And he's, he's showing them up. You know, yeah, he's playing. If it's one of us, are we going to try to get him at some yeah, point? We're, Maybe. Believe me, our right? texts were saying the same thing. Uh, the, you know what I mean? Six. It should not have been on the court, but that's a whole other And yeah, it shouldn't have been on the court. Rivers should have got him, you know, the hell off the court. I, I just have, I still have some, I mean, like a B. The guy every time he missed a shot, he 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 waved, he held his thumb, or he took his mask off and wiped his face off. Every time he made a shot, yeah. you didn't see his thumb bothering, yeah. you didn't see his mask bother. I, I just think he's always me. He wants the show to be him, um, and I think it affects how he plays with his t- the teammates. I, I I do think some teammates have some trouble with them, and the only l- person who played real well with them was a lunatic Jimmy Butler. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason yeah. why. Yeah. I mean, he's similar. He's a similar type guy, so. Yeah, um, I think he's. I think he needs the. He needs the mature. Um, and he has. Yeah, he has. Not he there. Ha- he has. And that, and going back to original, you know, could he be that player? He's gotten. I mean, he's progressively gotten better each year in the league, right? So, especially like the last two years, MVP caliber. He's kind of putting it all together. Take the injuries aside, so I wouldn't put it past it being capable of him to be that guy. It's just not how the league. They don't no. play that way in the league now, but he's shown the ability to keep progressing. His conditioning was much better this year. Yeah. Um, and the week off with the concussion put him behind the eight ball in the conditioning, so he was washed yeah. like yeah. those games. I was but, a little yeah. disappointed, and I guess it was the games they – was a game five, that they were able to sh- kind of shut him be down by just denying him the, the ball. You know, they, they were playing yeah. – they were fronting him in the post. And yeah, that, now that, is that Rivers has to do something well, and they have to run. Well, I think, there's a, couple, I think yeah. there's a couple of things But there. he didn't I want think, to get as physical, it seemed like. Yeah, I don't think he's crazy about the banging yeah. and, you know, doing the work that needs to be done. However, no one on that team could throw an entry pass. No, Not I, one guy. Yeah, hey, I mean, some of Harden's where he's doing Hard- that, that loop pass and it was yeah, just skyrocketing I mean, over people. It's just not done anymore because there's no big man yeah, anymore. So nobody – in, in college, and and, and that goes to towards the acquisition in the middle of the season too, and you yeah. know Harden playing with them, of course. All right, yeah, so, so that so let's yeah. move. So so with that said, where do where do we go from here? So what what does the 2022-23 Sixers look like? I mean, what's out there that they can do? How can they improve the team? What's realistic? We're all going to say, well, I'll get rid of Harris, trade Harris. Yeah, I'll trade Harris. Are you going to get LeBron? Yeah, I'll take him. I mean, but like, what's that? What's realistic? What, what could they do? Uh, Jason, what do you think? Yeah, so I, what I think is, I think I think Harden's going to surprise everyone, and I think he's going to agree to a team-friendly extension. I don't think he's going to just take the $48 million or whatever it is for the, the player option. I think, he, I think he truly wants to win. He knows it's, it's down to the end, and his legacy is not, not going to be what it should be if he doesn't win. So I think – and. I mean, could he need and how much did he make on his last contract? You know, so I think he's going to agree to a player, a team friendly 
extension. And if that's done, that's going to be huge. And that's all on Maury. Maury's got to work with him on that. But if, if that's done, then I think that opens up because that opens up the option of them getting Beal. Because I, 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 from what I've heard in the past, they were leaning towards trading for Beal before he got hurt. Yeah, and it was going to be right. Beal and not Harden. Um, so they like Beal, obviously. So if you could somehow work out like a sign and trade, you know, have the Wizards sign sign Beal and then trade him for Harris or some kind of three-way trade where, where we wind up getting Beal. Now we only have Beal and Embiid as your max players. Now you can fill out the rest of your roster, right? Because now you have money to sign a guy like P.J. Tucker, who's who's going to be a free agent again. And Embiid, or somebody, I think it was Embiid, mentioned, we don't have a guy like P.J. Tucker, all right? P.J. Tucker would fit in perfectly in that lineup as your power forward, you know, with Embiid, Beal, Harden, and Maxi. That would be a nice starting lineup. So now you have money to do that. Maybe if not if not Tucker, another guy is a free agent who would be a good fit, would be a good stretch forward, is that Boucher kid from the Raptors. The lanky, that real lanky dude. Yeah, he's a free agent, and he he's he's a stretch four man. He could hit he could hit shots. Another guy is Portis. He's going to be a free agent. I don't know if he's going to leave the Bucks, but I always liked Portis and thought again that's a player that that would fit in with them. You know, a stretch four that that could hit shots. Um, those guys shouldn't cost that much, right? So now, do you have money to bring back Seth Curry? Right, Seth Curry's not a guy who's ever had a big contract, so he may not agree to a really team-friendly contract because he might want his big payday. I think he's got one more year left on his current deal, though. Oh, he does. I think he's got one more. Yeah, I don't think it's. It might be an option, and that that could open it up. But that was why he was such a desirable trade piece was his value for the contract. I think he did have one. So one may, more I thought, yeah, maybe it was two two years and then an option year at the end. So. Okay, maybe if not Curry, maybe a guy like Pat but a, Mills. But a shooter. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah, you need yeah, a backup point guard. Yeah, you need a legit yeah. backup point guard. Yeah, and at Maxi, I don't know if he develops into a point guard. I know they, they I have don't him. Think he's a point, right, yeah. and that's what they're playing in as yeah. a backup point guard. Right, he's not, he's there. not, no. Drummond, another guy. Maybe he just takes the, the minimum to come back again, right? Because he was a perfect fit here. And then um, I'm going to steal your thunder, Jim. I know you like this guy, but DiVincenzo is a perfect – a perfect fit for what they need. You know, a guy that could come off the bench and, and, you know, hit some shots and play defense and uh, a total replacement for Cork Maz and a replacement for Thibel too, because I'm hearing word rumor that uh, the bulls are interested in Thibel. And if that's the case, see, we'll take a draft pick for him, get his contract out of here. Um, Those are my thoughts. Okay. Yeah, Jim, what do you what do you see the Sixers doing? What's realistic? What does the team look like next year? So, you know, obviously there's been the talk, and Jason alluded to it, that, you know, Harden might be willing to take a team-friendly deal. I don't think that means the veteran minimum, but something less than the 40-whatever million he could Yeah, take. and I, I, I read something today, too. I guess you could you can front-load some of the contract. I, I didn't realize it was Yeah, there's, there's ways to work. I yeah. think basketball can work like – and the, but the, with the trades in basketball, matching salary, right. sign trade, like yeah, you know, you little... try to read it, it's complicated, but it's um. So that would obviously be a help. The worst thing that could happen is Harden opts in to the year because they're locked at a higher salary. Yeah, right. it's yeah. very difficult. But you know, if Harden takes less, it opens up some money, and then you know, what do you do with with Harris? I mean, if you're going to bring another star in, and I feel like we're back in 2018 again, the way Maury was talking the other day about. And, and obviously, it sounds like they're going to be active. You know, Windhorse had the report the other day that they'll be out there looking, and he was right on the money with the with the Harden and Simmons uh, info. So, you know, give him a little credence on that, I think. Um, but, you know, okay, so Harris is obviously the name everybody's going to talk about. What what can you realistically get for Harris? If, if you have a situation like a Beal where he's like, look, Beal says to the Wizards, uh, tr- I want to go to Philly. That's you know, it. I'll sign and trade. That's it. Or that's, else I'm opting out. That's then, your you know, only chance of Harris moving just for Harris yeah. is a star player. says, so I'm not signing. I only want to go to Philadelphia. And, and what, does that, what does that do? What does that do for the Wizards? Like Harris is not like 
they're they're a team that made a couple signings and then traded the guy. I mean, it's already. it's just the fact like, that they don't lose; do. they get something it, back. That's here's the one thing I'll you're say: put draft picks in there, and yeah. so the, the other thing, Jay. Sorry to cut you off. If you do have a star availability to get a guy, are you willing to include Maxi in a deal? Well, yeah, I was going to. I was. Who can you get? I was going to get if into you that, bring yeah. in Beal. Now you have three guards. None of them, nobody, none of them are really a power, or excuse me, a, a small forward type. I know there's wing. It could be either, but one of them has to go to the three. Uh, if that happens, I have a guy in mind, but Jason, I'll let you, you uh, I'll let you. Well, I, just this, yeah, just to step back to what you were saying about Harris is Harris's contract is now approaching the, the point where it's going to start to become, uh, you know, teams will, teams will want it. But they still, got, isn't he? 76 million is still owed out. But he'll have two years left. Two years left. Two years. So into this year, towards the towards the middle and end of this year, he's going to be an attractive to teams that are, you know, going to want him for one year and then he's an expiring contract. Um that uh so I'll say that. And then to your point, Jim, about Beal, they will be defensively, they're going to be a little iffy there. If they have if you have Beal Hard and a Maxi on the floor. Obviously, Embiid is a phenomenal defensive player. You better add a four that could that could defend because now, no question, you're getting yeah. into the, the 120 points a game. I mean, if you can score 140 points a game, like and giving up 100, like, you know, that's yeah. okay. But yeah. you know, so I get Beal. I, uh, I'm not crazy. You know, it, it's funny if you look at his. I was looking at his numbers the other night. His first five years, really, he was he was Robin to John Wall's Batman down there, and. He was shooting 40% a year from three-point. And then Wall, but he was averaging 17 a game or so just just as overall points. Wall gets hurt and then eventually traded. The five years, Beal was the star. His points per game keeps going up. His three-point shooting percentage goes down. Now, I didn't. Wa- I don't watch enough Wizards game to say he, he was taking, you know, shot selection was poor, but we would need him to be back towards that 38 40% and from three-point range if we're uh, bringing him in. The name, you know, the name I would be interested in if I was the Sixers and Jason, you mentioned Thibault and Chicago. Zach Levine is going to be a free agent and they, the one position they don't really have a starter in right now, uh, or at least where there would be an upgrade for, say, Tobias Harris is Chicago. They don't have a power forward. So if, if a Thibault, Harris, something else could get a sign and trade with Levine, He's only 6'5", so it's a still a size thing, but I would trust him slide into a small forward position. Athletic as hell. He'll take the shots. Um, injury history, but, you know, Beal's He's not going to defend either, though. He's, he's not going to defend. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, there's not, that's the thing. Like, who's the, who's the best fit? If you keep Maxi, who's the best fit? Well, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, yeah. He's in Tatum. <laughs> You're not going to get any of those guys. Jimmy Butler would be a fabulous fit. <laughs> he's not going to come back here. So those guys just aren't going to be available, so you got to make do with a three-guard set. Um, yeah. maybe which, you know, Hey, I know they said doc rivers is staying here. Now, if, if the Lakers want doc rivers, Maury's not going to come out and say, well, we don't know if doc's going to say, so he's got to say that now, if you want to be a real conspiracy theorist, doc stays one more year, Jay Wright's out for a year. You bring him in to coach three guards. I'm not going to go down that road, but Hey, we, who knows? We, we can go on all night, but in the interest of time, let's, let's wrap this Sixers segment out. We'll move it. We'll move on. And real quickly, I just want to, uh, I just want to throw some 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 names out, and you guys just say yes or no. Now, here's the here's the game we're going to play. We all know we would trade Tobias Harris for anything. We we agree to that, Tobias. We don't care who we get back. The 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 every the talk of the town is Maxi, right? Will you get? Would you trade Maxi? Me personally, I I think that um, Darren Moore is going to make a splash. I think you're going to see a big move. I think you're going to see a star get in here, and I think you might see Maxi out, but. Let's say let's let's play the game. What do you guys think? I'm gonna. So this is including Maxi, Br- Bradley Beal. Would I trade Maxi? Forget about what else can happen. Just basically, Maxi leaves and you get for Beal. Just say that is not involving Harris. No, Harris too. Yeah, you got to get rid of Harris. No, so Harrison, Harrison, Maxi for Beal. Yeah. I I don't think I would do that. Okay. No, if I do that, I need Kuzma coming back. To okay, get and if you may, you may have somebody else. We're just saying the star guy. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell. No, he don't. He's not going to defend at all. I'm. I'm not. I'm. I, I, no. Okay, Dean. I'm, I'm, I'm more likely on him than Beal, but than Beal. no. I okay. How about Dean? So Maxi straight for for Lillard. 
Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not going to fit with, he's not going to fit with Harden. Okay. That's fair. So you guys are know so I, far. I might, I might do that. I might do, I okay. might do Dane. Yeah. But how did, how's that going to, how are they going to fit together? I don't Harden. think you have the perfect fit. Well, we'll see who else we can, we can talk they about. Both yeah. Have the ball. It's basically, rumor guys the game's that basically, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a basic fit. It's basically, it, let's see what Ma- how untradeable is Maxi. Cause that's what people are trying to say. Maxi's untradeable, but whatever. How about Anthony Davis? That's a name. Anthony Davis. <laughs> So now I don't know if him and a big that's tough. Together. I agree. That's tough. That makes so. that tough. If he's, if he's healthy, I I seriously think right. about it. And then last yeah. was Jimmy actually alluded to him, but Paul George would would you have try to? Yes, get Paul George. George I think I would he do, fits but, probably the best. But right? Rivers, yeah, you have to play Rivers. Rivers yeah, but yes, that's true. Um, for Paul George, yes, I would do that. George, George, and Kawhi Leonard, both either one of them would be a perfect fit. For, okay, so so there are some trades that people, you know, you guys are willing to part with Max. I mean, I'm a person that I don't see Embiid having a long career obviously not no i think crazy. the window's like I, yeah, so what thing. is maxi going to give you and then okay maxi's here they don't win he leave, you know b leaves or whatever now you have maxi what, what is maxi going to do i mean he, he's a six-foot I mean, guard what, what's yeah. he going to bring you i mean what's, how's what's, he going to win what, what, what is the ceiling that's what if not only what, that what he's going to think his ceiling is if he thinks he's as bad as good as he's going to get which so far is pretty darn good but where, uh, how good is he going to is he going to become steph Curry? no well he's going to want to get paid too and he's going to get paid yeah, eventually. You know, I, I mean, I'm suppose, not suppose he becomes Drew, Drew Holiday, right? That's a borderline all-star right. player. He's a player. Is that, you know, that yeah, was, he that ain't was not, he ain't not a two-way player. Like Holiday is a two-way player. Like Max yeah, is not going to keep no, Holiday. No, but, but that's he's not, not untouchable. untouchable. No. Okay. All right, boys. Good discussion here. So we're all, we kind of uh, wrapped up the Sixers season. Any thoughts for the rest of the playoffs? So I'm sticking to it. I predicted on the one of our earlier pods. I had the Warriors beating the Celtics from when the the series um, the playoffs started. Not going to change from that. I know the Celtics lost game one. I'm sticking with it. Warriors beat the Celtics. Jason, what do you think? Yes, yeah, so I actually put a bet in this morning on because I, I I think both teams that lost game one could could win. You know, obviously, you know, I think Boston's going to win that series. But then I did a parlay with Dallas and yeah. I got like eight eight. Uh, they looked a little over or something like that. And I thought game one. Now. Yeah, but they, they look bad in game one in every it, series. True. And they're yep. coming off of game seven. Yep. And, you know, Absolutely. Golden State's been sitting home. So I I, I I think Dallas is live in that series. Okay. So I would go Boston-Dallas. All right. I like that. How about you, Jeff? At the start of the playoffs, I thought Boston was the team in the East. I should have put a bet in because that plus three, whatever they were, it would have been value. I thought that was a little low, especially being above Miami. But – um. But I, so I, I'll say Boston. But at the start of the series, I thought they were maybe a little overpriced, and I I thought that Miami was like I thought I saw like plus one seventy five maybe. I thought that was the better value bet because I didn't think there was that much. Yeah, they weren't that much better. Yeah, I mean uh, for a number one team, they've been highly under you know. Yeah, undervalued. So and 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 Dallas. I mean Dallas is a nice story. I, I didn't. I don't see them beating the Warriors. I mean, as frustrating as we are Sixers fans, I'd much rather be in our situation than Phoenix where that was the worst like game seven home loss ever or whatever. So right. Best team in the league record wise, completely embarrassing. All right. Good. Good to hear boys. Good, good, good conversation. Let's move on. And before we move on, just a reminder, you listen to broad street hustle, the new and improved podcast. Please like subscribe, um, leave some comments. You can hear us on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, anywhere where you can get your podcast. So let's move on here. Uh, we're moving to the Preakness, but like we said, before we talk about the Preakness, we'll do a brief brief conversation on the Black-Eyed Susan. And like I said, the Black-Eyed Susan is basically the Preakness, but for the female horses, the Philly horses, similar to the Oaks, where Jimmy the Chalk was shining. So we're going to start with Jimmy. Any any thoughts you got on uh, Black-Eyed Susan? Any plays that you're looking to make um, Friday? Yeah, I mean, I looked at it, so... <sighs> A lot of horses come coming out of maiden special weights in this race. It's not there, the there's best one, there, There's one, you know, there's one uh, graded stakes winner, I think, and some horses that are graded stakes placed. So it's not it's not the bang up uh, field that the Oaks usually has. Uh, you know, the the ten is going to be the favorite. Um, Sean McCarthy. I saw him talking today with a Notre Dame hat on. I don't know how much more stereotypical Irish he can get, but he was given TVG an interview. I mean, I'm, I'm, that horse ran a second to Desert Dawn, who ran a, a, one of Tommy's includes in, in the Oaks, was a good, I don't want to say good, but came up third. Uh, 
I'm not. I'm gonna try to beat 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 the ten and horses I was looking at. Uh, seven distinctly possible. Chad Brown coming out of a main special weight, uh, but at second start of the year, um, you know, Brown places these horses in the right spots. Normally, I, I don't think he would put this horse in if he thought it was going to be over its head. Uh, and she looks like she'll be a little bit off off the pace. There could be. There's a couple horses in here that might want to go to the front, so that could set up for a little bit of a meltdown. All things depending. Uh, probably be using the nine Interstate Daydream, Brad Cox. Uh, that one will be on the pace, ran in the Ashland last time out, lost by a lot to Nest, who came back and ran well in the Kentucky Oaks. So no shame in that necessarily, um, uh, but, you know, potential for maybe maybe some improvement there. And then uh, the 12 favor, Pletcher, um, you know, ran, ran a third uh, in the fairground Oaks to Echo Zulu, who ran well, but was distance challenge in the Oaks. Hidden Connection did not run well. So you could say, well, if you don't like those two horses, then running behind them, not necessarily a good indicator. But, um, you know, Pletcher, again, he, he doesn't take crazy shots. So I'll look at those three um, in doubles and uh, doubles to the Preakness to, to try Preakness, and beat yeah. the favorite. So you're trying to beat the favorite, ship it in from Santa Anita here. Um, and um, I do think distinctly possible prob- probably will be your second choice. You know, six to one morning line. I just don't know if that local horse will that nine to two will hold on the local horse. I, I think Brown will get that, but we'll see. Um, how about you, Jason? What's your thoughts? Yeah, so when I first started looking at this race, and I I saw a lot of speed in it, um, and I was trying to beat the speed with with a bunch of closers, and then I started to think like, what's our old adage on dirt races? Who wins dirt races? Horses close to the lead. And closers very rarely win dirt races. It happened in the Derby, obviously, but um, that was an insane pace meltdown, which is another point I'm going to make is a lot of times when a pace meltdown like that happens, when another race comes up quickly after that, a lot of jockeys think, oh, are we going to have another pace meltdown? Are we all going to And w- go what to you have lead? to remember like, is the pace that meltdown in the Derby was because of the two jockeys that are not locally based here in the United yeah. States, the yeah. Japanese yeah. horses were the ones that gunned it out. Yeah, American exactly. jockeys tend to not utilize the speed as much. Yeah. So then I sat back and said, okay, uh, you look at it their manner and obviously she's going to be the favorite, but she, she did run a hell of a race in the race that she lost and she barely lost. Like mm-hmm. she, she fought, she got caught at the wire barely. And that horse came back and ran pretty well uh, in in the in the the uh, Oaks. Um, I'm going to say that she's just better than these horses, and I think she's she's going to get the lead. Uh, some of the other horses, right? The the two with Saez, Missy Greer. He's he's aggressive, so he may try to go out there with her. Castellano, who knows what he's going to do on the four? Right. I mean, these are um, horses set in. That are quick and made in special weights too. They're not. And that's they're, the they're not point. quick and great at races. Yeah. I mean, you know, so they're yeah. running 23, 23 and change forty six one turn miles at Gulfstream. That's not yeah. that fast. I mean, yeah. you know, they're not blazers. So I'd be surprised. I, I tend to agree. So yeah. Much. So I'm I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go to Dare Manor to ten as as the winner. Um, I do I do like that local horse, the Sex Luna Luna Bell Bella. Yep. Luna Bell, but it's um, definitely going to be pace compromise if the the pace isn't you know yeah hot. I'm going to try to even beat her for second. Um, and I Tom, you're probably going to mention this horse, but yeah, you know, I was watching some replays and sort of three Miss Yearwood make a huge move in a race that uh, the seven distinctly possible got a better trip in and won. Um, I'm going to try to get uh, the three Miss Yearwood second. Um, so my my horses are going to be at their manner to win uh, the three, Miss Yearwood, to hit the board, hopefully second, and then the six, Luna Bell, the local horse. She's she's pretty consistent. I think she'll stalk. I think she'll be right there. She just might not be good enough. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put her third. Okay. Um, yeah, I actually am. I'm looking at the race probably pretty similar to you. Um, I do think at their ma- manner is just the best horse, and although. I do agree that the price might be short, and and if you're playing um, 
doubles into the Preakness and if you like Epicenter or one of you know one of the first or second choices, you need to look at the the probables because you you can't take you know four to one or whatever. You have to make sure you're getting ten to one or so. Um, you can hammer it though, right? I mean, you can, you can if you if yeah. you really like. I mean, keep in mind though, four to one on a on a bet like that isn't four to one because you're not getting your you're not getting your you're not getting your money not, yeah your money back it's not a win bet yeah. right so right. four to one isn't actually four to one so it's a little less so you know mm-hmm. you got to look I mean but we, whatever you're comfortable with. if you want to cash a ticket you want to cash a ticket but yeah um I do I do feel similar where it looks like a lot of speed but I I don't think it's going to be as much speed as you think and California speed is just you know California stake speed is better than one turn mile speed at Gulfstream. I do think the nine's a little interesting with Drew um, sitting sitting right next to Adair Matter. That could be a horse that pushes the pace a little bit. She did get a just an awful trip in her last race in the Ashland. Um, she was a um, little wide on the lead and just it was a. I mean, she and she didn't run terrible and she lost to the Oaks favorite right Nest. So I mean, it wasn't close, but she did lose. Uh, to a to a quality horse, so I, I I like her a little bit. Um, I think she, her the nine and the ten could be the pace and kind of go towards it. Um, but my pick, and uh, I'll I'll tell you one of the horse I don't like first. So I'm I'm kind of off of the brown horse, uh, distinctly possible the seven. So for me, um, when I look at a horse coming running their first race back as a as a three year old off their two year old season, you know, if we're just looking at buyer figures, you're seeing a one point improvement. So she really didn't run a race that's that much better than what she was running as a two-year-old. So the I just for her to win this race, she has to make another big improvement. And she still didn't really even make a big improvement from her two-year-old. I thought season. she got a good trip too, in that and race. she got a good trip, right? Which is yeah. is is another reason why. So you take that by you take the lack yeah. of improvement. And Brown, Brown can have them running off the layoffs, so it's not like ah oh, they need she right now she ran out that. and she ran an 85 bar and she showed a 10 11 point improvement i would say you know what boom i'm all for it um so that's one of the reasons why i don't like her and and one of the reasons why i like like jason alludes to miss yearwood so i i mean she's gonna be you call it my top pick she's 20 to 1 um She's a pick. I mean, she's there. I, I definitely like the chalk, so I'm not. I'm not going to say to steer away from that. But I, to Jason's point, her that she the race she lost to distinctly possible, and then the race that she won, she makes that secret oath middle move that wins these type for closers that wins these type of races because they're sitting way off horses. They make that middle move, and in the blink of eye, they're at the eighth pole. They're like right on the lead, right off the lead. And now you're in position to outfinish the horses that were, you know, setting the pace the whole way. So she's not a true closer. Um, and that's what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for that type of move that to win this race. And you could say she was slow as a two-year-old, but she showed a 13 point buyer improvement from her two to three-year-old season. And that's the improvement that I like to see when I'm dealing with, especially these, these, uh, triple crown races these three-year-olds who are still improving. I want to see that they're still improving for her to prove from her two to three-year-old season. And that much is, is something that, um, you know, interests me. I think she, she ran a kind of even effort right after that one. So she may be ready for another big improvement and explosion. So, I mean, you play it how you want. I'm, I'm a three, nine, 10 guy that, uh, I would definitely mess around with the three is win you know, show bet, place bet, whatever, tries, wheel, however you want to do it, but make sure if she gets first, second, or third, you cash a ticket. Um, so use her with the logicals. So that's good. Um, we don't want to spend too much time on the Black Eyed Susan. Um, we can – did you want to say well, – so what do you? What horses are you playing into the Preakness, the ones just every, the ones you guys said is pretty much yeah. what you're looking at? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be heavily on, on Adair Manor. Um, like you said, you know, playing with Epicenter – that's not gonna. That's not gonna pay well. I do like another horse in the Preakness along with Epicenter. We'll get to that. So you but, can talk back on that. Yeah, you can backtrack to this. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll mess around with the three, and then I'll, I'll also mess around with that local horse. I don't think she's probably good enough, but you know, if she's if like if if the nine pressures the ten and she's sitting behind them, maybe she goes wide. Yeah, and I even. just see it every year with the Preakness, the Black Eyes. You have these local horses that on paper they're like their numbers yeah. fit. And then they just stink because they're. Yeah. Let's face it, they're they're running against bad horses. They're yeah. beating bad horses, yeah. you know. So the numbers always end up good when you're beating bad horses. I mean, you ha- yeah. somebody has to run good. So, um, all right, let's let's move on to the Preakness. Uh, we don't want to go too long, but we are going to go ra- uh, horse by horse. Now we have some 
absolute pigs in this race. So I think we can, uh, some of these horses, we're not going to spend a lot of time, but let's first go right into, uh, the coming out of the one post is simplification with jo- Johnny Velasquez, um, trained by Antonio Sano ran fourth in the Derby. So a great, uh, a great showing in the Derby, a horse that I, I know I liked, I know Jason, like, I'm not sure, Jimmy, I might want to say yes, but we all kind of had on our radar. Uh, we used promptly in, in all the slots and, you know, we didn't have the winner of course, but, um, what's our thoughts, Jimmy, what do you think on simplification? Well, in all fairness, we only went through the first 20 horses, and since the winner was 21, I would have given him out. Had we gotten yeah, that, that's right? true. That is true. And that's anyway, the podcast gets, you listen to. Gets in, gets in five minutes before the deadline. Uh, so simplification, yeah. So it, it was a horse I, I liked and had in the exotics, second and third, and even had a, a, some double on top if he would have got there. Uh, you know, watching the replays, he, I thought he ran a decent race. You know, we talked about he was close to a hot pace before. He was much further back this time, maybe too far back, but the winner was farther back. He's actually the only horse in the uh, of the uh, uh, in the super effective that, if you look at Trackus, ran more feet than the winner. I don't know that I trust that watching the replay, but that just sort of is interesting. Um, it, speed figures make him competitive. You're looking at that. His sheets aren't that much different than Epicenter. I, I, I don't think i mean somebody's got to finish second it could easily be him yeah. on multi-races i'd have him a c slot but um I, I will play i will play a double from the black-eyed susan with with the favorite to him assuming that he's going to be fourth or fifth choice hopefully right. look at the look at the probables yeah and i'll go in and I, I tend to agree i think it's a horse that yeah you, you kind of have to use for the board you know for your second and third slots um the figures kind of are right there with the other horses but also do, the figures don't show me that the horse is going to has another step forward. I think he runs the races that he's run and he's going to probably run a similar race again. Um, if you want to look at buyers, thoroughgrass. So I think the numbers are going to sit there and I just don't think that's good enough to win this race, but I also don't think it's bad enough to not be competitive. And, you know, who knows if it gets a trip or the, or one of the, the first two choices don't show up. Um, but more likely I have them for, for a second, probably more of a third type of, of horse. Um, Jason, how about you? Yeah, the same. Um, I, I think we had, we had spoken before, Tom. You know, when I first saw that simpl- simplification was running in the Preakness, um, and obviously I knew Epicenter was running, I was like, I'm going to start building tries that have those two hitting the board and some, you know, maybe all in second or all in third and, and just having those two hitting the board. I think he's a board horse. I don't think he's going to win. Um, these, these derby horses, um, and even the ones, some of them that have run bad in the derby, pretty much all come back and run pretty well in the Preakness. Um, so simplification is definitely a horse I'm going to use for the board. I'm going to, I'm going to be against him to win. I, I, I have two horses that I think could win and and he's not going to be one of them, but he's definitely a horse that I have second or third. Yeah. And keep in mind losing Jose Ortiz for Johnny Velasquez. Uh, and you know, Johnny can run, has run big in these in the derbies, yeah. but it's still, I mean, he's a step below uh, Jose at this point in his career. All right, moving on. Number two, one of the new shooters for Kenny McPeak, creative minister, um, ran a, ran a um, uh, non-winners of one optional claim on derby day on the undercard, won impressively, um, don't know what field kind of beat and did get a good trip. Uh, but I'll go to you, Jason. What's your thoughts on creative minister? Yeah, like you said, I mean, he ran huge in, in the undercard of the Derby. Um, not, he's run three races so far, so he's he's got some room to improve. improve um, but he's also, you know, this is a big step up uh, for his fourth race in his career, running in a, a triple crown grade one race. So um, I definitely think he's one of the horses I'm going to use to hit the board, but I'm going to be against him to win. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's a situation where it's just, too much in too little time. I mean, he yeah. broke his maiden in March, ran in or ran his first race in March, broke his maiden in April, won in uh, secondary uh, allowance race in May. And now two weeks later, similar to Derby horses, he's running back in the Preakness, which is a tough move for graded horses, let alone, you know, first level allowance horses. So it's just, I, I mean, he could be used for the board. I, it's probably a game time decision for me. I'm probably leaning more towards uh, against, um, Kenny McPeak is a trainer that I dislike. So sometimes I let my bias take over there. Uh, Jimmy, how about you? 
Similar thoughts. I, I mean, you know, he's improved every race. Uh, I he would need to take another step forward, or some of the better horses would need to take a big step back for him to win this one. So I don't, I'm not going to have him in the win place anywhere. Uh, far from the worst horse in this race, which considering some of these is not saying right. a lot, but I think you know his ceiling. Um, if he gets a good pace up front, is probably you know the bottom of a trifecta. I might put him in a second slot, but you know I would love to use him third uh, in in some of the tries I might play. Okay, well. The next horse is uh, the number three, Fenwick. We're not going to spend time. I think it's a joke. The horse is in the race. He's no business running in this race. Absolute disgrace that he's in it. Um, you know, total throwout, non-entity, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is his one win was the pace. Like you said, the main special weight pace, not the same as great stakes, but if they try to go for it, that could throw a monkey wrench in. Uh, $175,000 sire fee and was purchased for 52. So take that for what it's worth. Pig. Jason. Yep. No, no yeah. chance. All right. Well, I'll let Jimmy take the next horse here. He's basking in his glory. The coach D Wayne Lucas is putting the Philly in with the boys. Um, oh. hasn't been done since Rachel Alexandra and did it, uh, against, uh, Steve Asperson did it against, uh, mind that bird. So number four is secret oath. The Kentucky earth Oaks winning coming off of two days, ra- uh, two weeks rest. Jimmy, what do you got here in this race? Travis Stone put it best. Wayne can still train. Uh, I don't like the horse in this spot. I was the thoroughgraphs, best thoroughgraphs of anybody in this race, and that includes Epicenter. Um, Lucas will take these shots any chance he gets. Wheeling her back in two weeks. Um, she could be good enough. I'm not using her in anything this time around. Okay, Jason. Yeah, I just think she's going to be an underlay, right? I I, I agree um, that. And I think you mentioned this earlier, Tom. She's she's going to wind up being the, the second choice in the race. Um, she's a horse that she could hit the board easily um, for sure. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to bet her to win, but you know I I think she could easily get second or third. So I, I'm against the win, but I will use. On, in yeah, it's similar. I'm not I'm undecided. She can't, she's not a win horse for me, uh, but you know the field's not great. I mean, she so I think she could probably run second. Um, yeah. she can run a distant second too. I, it might not even be a competitive second, but she can run second. Although I, I don't, I don't like her. I, you know, Jimmy alluded to her sheet numbers were the best in the field, but they were also three, three and four races ago, which means she hit her top and, and has regressed since then. So although she won the Oaks, she ran it in a, you know, a slower race than she, she's ran at Oaklawn Park. Um, you know, and all her races were at Oakland and Churchill and now she's shipping up to, you know, more on the East coast. So, well, you know, I got to see if she could do it. Um, I don't necessarily trust the coach at his 86-year-old, you know, training age um, to keep her fit. I know it backfired against me in the Oaks, but, you know, I would tend to lean against her, but I just, she has, she's competitive and the field's not great. So, you know, you kind of have to say, yes, board is possible, but no win for me for sure. All right. One of the new shooters who is probably going to be the shortest price of the new shooters and vying for second choice with Secret Oath. so probably hovering around second choice um, is the Chad Brown starter, the number five early voting. Took the path from the wood to the skip the derby um, to the Preakness. So little bit of personal story. Uh, same as Cloud Computing, one of his horses that beat uh, Classic Empire, who I made a nice score on um, many years ago. So taking the same path. Uh, what's our thought on early voting, boys? How about you, Jason? Yeah, so this is my uh, one of the horses I have that that um, will be age for me to to win the race. Uh, like like you said, Tom, she uh, she he's going to be on the lead. Um, and to me, I only see one other horse, um, the seven Armagnac. Um, that's the only other horse that I see that could pressure him. And Jose Ortiz is on early voting, and Irad Ortiz is on Armagnac. Yep. So you have are to they going to kill each other? You got to handicap that. So. And you know early voting is going to the lead. Yes. So I think – And keep like in mind, Irad Ortiz does not ride for the California horse, doesn't ride for Baffert, Yakutin, whatever And he's not aggressive in the first place. Right. He, so he's just not an aggressive rider. more likely not to put her on the lead with yeah. – put him on the lead with early yeah. voting. Yeah. So um, – and like you said – Brown has made this move before with cloud computing, coming right from the wood, um, skipping the derby and coming here and, and winning the race. Um, I think he's got a big shot. Uh, you know, uh, and you even step back to the, to the wood. Um, he, he ran a, a big race and got caught in the end by Mo Donegal, who ran pretty well in the derby. So um, 
I'm I'm using him as an A. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a, I think it's the only horse that competes against Epicenter, who ultimately you know will be the favorite and the pick among most people. Um, uh, has improved from her, from his maiden race to the to the wood. You've seen you know eleven point buyer increase. Uh, what's that? A nine point buyer increase. Increased the you know point on the sheets, two points on the sheets. So it's a horse that you look for in these spots. That is developing as a three year old, maturing, has room to improve. She ran a three sheet, so or could he run a, a one, a two, and that puts him right there with Epicenter. Um, he is going to be on a lead, so he is he's definitely a pace horse. He needs the lead where an Epicenter can sit off. Um, so you know. You kind of you you don't have the luxury of a bad start. You don't have the luxury of another horse gunning. You know, going to put on the lead and hope gets the pace that that's looking for. Um, but I do. I have I have as an A minus, <laughs> but an A. I mean, you know, I'm going to use an exotics. Um, ultimately, I, I have the the other horse that's just I think better. Um, but I a horse uh, in early voting that has a a real big shot, and I think the only one that could win besides Abyssinia James. How are you? Uh, yeah, like you said, same connections as cloud computing. Very fond of my heart as that was one of the bigger scores I ever ended up with 14 to one that Preakness day. Um, you know, is he good enough? He could be, I'll use him as a backup in horizontal, especially if I like some prices and other legs, probably in a C slide as opposed to a B won't shock me. If he drifts to six to one with secret oath or another horse takes money might be a win bet, but, um, it's not not an A for me in this scenario. Okay, well let's keep moving on, and we'll, we'll wrap this up soon um, and give out maybe a you know our top pick and a, and a, maybe a bet for you. How about um, the number six, Doug O'Neill's Happy Jack, who did run in the Derby, sat the trip that she, he wanted far off the pace and still stunk. Jimmy uh, won his maiden race, ran in four stakes races since then, has never just, finished just, within just the winner it. of ten lengths, and just there no it. chance. Just saying, no. no chance, Jason. Bet him if you have a kid named Jack. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll do is, like I said, derby horses sometimes run well. Could clunk it up for third, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's it. Um, even say you never never know. You get a hot pace, but yeah, ultimately it's just a horse that's not that ver- not very good and probably shouldn't be in the race. Adding blinkers, so maybe they want to keep them a little closer, but not very good. The okay, we got the number seven, um, Arm- Armanac, I guess is how you call it. Trained by Tim Baffert. I mean uh, Tim Yakteen, as Baffert is suspended and not allowed to train. Um, Irad Ortiz is taking them out, coming off of a fourth place finish in the Santa Anita Derby, uh, where those horses did not perform well in the in the Derby, and then came back and won a first level allowance. I actually remember watching that race. It was a short field, got the lead, and she just and he took over. Um, uh, Jimmy, what's your thoughts? Uh, to ran up the track in two stakes races in California in real short fields. You know, if he's at the pace, you could keep it honest, but that's about the only influence he'll have on this race. Yeah. And, and keep in mind that the race that he just won, he was set, uh, first time without blinkers. So did show big improvement, taking the blinkers off. Could, yeah. And could he's that- actually the short, the, the shortest layoff. His last race was less than two weeks ago. It was the day after the Derby. So yeah. 13 day layoff. So yeah, definitely, uh, not a, not a horse for me on top and more than likely just a, possible pace pace uh player but not a not a real uh threat to anyone jason yeah i just think he needs to pay he needs to be on the, the lead to win he's not getting he'll it. be on the no. lead and i don't think he's going to win and i'm i'm going to toss yeah i would agree okay now uh well let's skip over it let's go to the last horse we'll skip the eight horse we'll go back to that the number nine skippy longstocking who did finish third to uh modonical and early voting in the uh wood Seems to want to come from off the pace. Has a just an absolute, absolute pig of a jockey in Alvarado. Um, what's what's our thoughts there, Jimmy? No, Jason. The only thing I'll say about him, and I, I don't like the trainer outside of Florida, and, and he's outside of Florida here, Joseph. But he did pair threes um, on the thoroughbred, so I guess he's eligible to make a move. Um, I'm not going to use, but. Uh, I, I hope uh, he doesn't make a move. Yeah, I will say at the golf stream where obviously Safi is the king, he did hit uh, a super fast pace, and he you know he blew by those horses. Um, and then in the wood, I mean the the wood pace was pretty fast. Early voting, nobody was up. Any of the horses that were with early voting early did not finish. You know 
in any of the any of the pace spots. Mo Donical came from way off the lead, and and so did he. So um, I, it's a it's a happy Jack type horse. I mean, just with a little more skill, so definitely can clunk it up. But overall, uh, third is is the is the height for them, for him. Um, and then lastly, the horse that we skipped and will be the Preakness favorite is the number eight Epicenter, who at the top of the stretch looked like he was going to fight it out with Zandon for the Derby, and then. Uh, you know, I didn't even see the horse coming until Rich Strike came flying on the rail and blew by for you know the eighty to one score that we all we all know too well. Um, but Steve Asmussen's bringing Epicenter back off off the two weeks, second in the Derby. Will be the uh, is the six to five morning line favorite, and probably going to be sure that Preakness Day. Jason, what's our thoughts on Epicenter? I think he's the best three year old. Um, I I think he will sit right off of early voting. If early voting gets any pressure, I think Epicenter will go right by him. Um, if early voting doesn't, uh, Epicenter may not get by him. So, uh, but he will be my other A. Um, and I, I think uh, I think there's only two horses that could could win the race, and, and he's definitely one of them. Okay, J- uh, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, he was my Derby horse, my top Derby horse. He's my only A here. I'm not using any Bs. The other two I mentioned would be Cs. Ran a, re- ran a good race. He, he was farther back than maybe they would have liked, but with the hot pace, I don't think that was a negative. The one criticism I've seen in Rosario, that some people say he moved too soon into a hot pace, but I think to make sure he had good position, he needed to do that. He had the position that the, you want, that we've seen Derby winners have. He had the lead at the top of the stretch. In the last 10 years, those horses don't get passed. He fought Zandon off, couldn't catch Rich Strike, but um, if he's still on the top of his game, he's he's on another level compared to these horses from what we've seen so far. So. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I think Epicenter is my A. Um, like I said, early voting is A minus, B plus, whatever. But Epicenter, most of my bets will go through Epicenter. Um, it's the only horse that was in the top 10 in the Derby, so sat ninth. You know, it was, was a good five and a quarter off at the half, but did sit ninth. And, and if you look at the chart, any horse that was in the top, you know, nine – all finished at the back of the field except for Epicenter. He's the only one that hung. Um, and he made that acceleration coming into the stretch right before the eighth pole. And he just like – Zandon, could, who makes huge moves, couldn't even keep up with Epicenter, had to grind it out just to get back into contention. Um, and then, you know, Epicenter didn't let – Epicenter had no idea that, that Rich Strike was even on the rail and never – um, let Zandon pass, and they could have went around the track again. And I don't think Zandon was passing that horse. Yeah, that 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 move no. he made wins like ninety percent of the yeah, maybe yeah. more than that. Yeah, I mean yeah. that he accept, when Rosario asked him to go, he like he looked like a NASCAR. I mean he shot. If you, if you watch went, that replay, not yeah. only did Zandon not get past him, but they were he was he was, getting, was he was putting him put, away like right. towards towards the end there. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, and and if you look, Epicenter's losses, you know, outside of his maiden, came in the. Um, the Lacant when he was on on the pace of an insane pace that he just got put into the ground and a and a bomb came flying home um, and he almost still almost won it was a photo finish and then the Derby where again he was you know uh, not too far off of an insane pace made a huge move um, and then just basically an impossible horse that beat him so um, <clears throat> so I think we all agree that Epicenter is the horse to beat do we I mean we don't have to go over plays we all know we're, who we're playing. Um, so let's just wrap this up. I just want to thank everybody. But before we wrap it up, um, a new segment that we're going to bring, and we'll do it quickly that we're going to bring to um, Broad Street Hustle, is any spot plays um, that we saw throughout the week. So that could be a future bet that we see value in that we didn't mention on the earlier pod. Maybe a horse that we like coming into the weekend, we're telling you to bet, or, or a basketball game that's going to happen on Saturday that we like. Um, I don't have any for this week, so... I'm, you know, I build up the segment and then I tell you I got nothing, but I know Jason has a spot play. Jason, you want to share? Yeah, I do. Um, I was just messing around some baseball stats and uh, there's, there are two pitchers that seem very live for the national league Cy Young award. And one of them, Jim, I know you have on your fantasy team, his name is Zach Gallen for Arizona. And he is just has an insane ERA so far this year. Now he's only pitched in six games. Actually, I think he's pitching right now. Um, so hopefully he's not uh, going to make me look stupid. Uh, I haven't checked the score, but um, he's still sitting at like 30 or 35 to one. His ERA is one over uh, his first six games. He only pitched like 34 innings so far, but he's just been unhittable. Uh, and, 
Uh, he's really live to be still be 35 to one at this point in the season. So, and then the other one I have is Josh Hader. Uh, I don't think he's even given up a run yet uh, this year. And with Scherzer, Scherzer's now out for two months, so he's probably out of the, out of the running. Um, I think he could be live. Uh, and I I got Josh Hader at seventy five to one this morning. So those are my two spot bets. Oh, I like it. I'm gonna fire up the app and see what I can get right now. How about you, Jay, uh, Jimmy? Anything? Uh, this is more of a hunch play than a spot bet, but uh, in honor uh, of the new podcast name and its hosts, uh, late pick three of Pimlico ending in the uh, Preakness. If you want to play Epicenter, you can go race 11 to 5 B Dawk, which I assume is the name of their broad street yeah, Brian, da- Dawkins. Brian Dawkins, yeah. And then race 12, uh, you could play the number one bank, uh, the number five, Mr. Hustle, and the number six, Smoke and Jay after. All right, I like it. To you guys, so I, and I that, like that it. Better, you might you might hit something in the picture. <laughs> I like the hunch play. So again, this was uh, the inaugural episode of Broadsheet Hustle. Thanks for listening. Uh, please remember to go on to Apple, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you can get your podcast. Go in there, like it, subscribe to it, please. Um, leave some comments if you felt like the show what we could do to improve. If it went too long, went too short, let us know. We take all feedback and we we we. Uh, We just want to get better. Um, So, again, this was Broad Street Hustle. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. See you.